Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. I hope you all enjoyed FanFest for whoever attended. It looked like a great time, probably the best Marlins FanFest of all time, or at least for a while. Reports were just under 20,000 in terms of attendance, which is up significantly from previous seasons. Hopefully that's an indication of better attendance throughout this season and better team support in the coming years. This is something that the Marlins have focused on, so it's nice to see their plan come to fruition a little bit. Uh, today's episode is going to be a double prospect preview, two for one, on numbers 19 and 18 on my top 20 list. That's Evan Fitterer at 19 and Peyton Burdick after at 18. I'm going to start with Evan Fitterer, number 19 on the list. He was just drafted this past year by the Marlins in the fifth round out of high school in California. He was a well-overslot in the fifth round. I think signability was a big question for him. He was late onto the draft radar, a late bloomer for sure. And I think that kind of made it a little bit questionable as to whether teams thought they could pry him away from UCLA, and which was at the time number one team in the country for a good portion of last year. Uh, the Marlins were really smart with their signing bonus pool and the allocation of the bonuses. And they took advantage of a system that I think is is criminally underpaying college seniors. You're able to draft a guy like M.D. Johnson in the sixth round right after, literally one round after Evan Fitterer, and he only gets $17,500 in his signing bonus. In the eighth round, Tevin Mitchell out of UC Santa Barbara only gets 10000 and then even worse, uh, Liberty pitcher Evan Brabrand only got $1,000. I hope he's, I said his last name correct but that was just the Marlins being smart using a system that could work in their favor to overslot a pitcher like Evan Fitterer who most teams probably didn't even bother drafting after he fell out of the second round assuming that he wasn't signable and I remember right around the time the Marlins made the pick there was a lot of doubts by writers as to whether the Marlins would be able to sign him and they proved them wrong with their ability to allocate that signing bonus money and gave him $1.5 million and the rest was history. So going into Fitterer, obviously not a ton on him. Just pitched 22 innings in the GCL last year. He was very solid, though, in those 22 innings. It's tough to really dive into GCL stats given the level of competition, the small sample size, and all of those things included. But if you're going to look at what he did regardless because that's pretty much all we have on him in terms of pro baseball uh 2-3 DRA across eight starts very solid like to see the command be a little bit better I think that's one of the main trends with Fitterer as a late bloomer and just as a young pitcher command seemed to be the issue through high school and now into his first pro season 12 walks and 22 and change innings but the ground ball rate again albeit small sample size it could be a bit of an anomaly but 67% ground ball rate in the GCL in those 22 and two-thirds innings, that is incredible. That would have been the best in all of the Marlins organization. If that's a trend of what's to come for Evan Fitterer, that's going to translate very well in what is a pitcher's park at Marlins Park despite the walls being moved in. Uh, that's something that hopefully he can continue to produce even at probably Batavia is where I'll assume he will be pitching this coming season. For the history of Fitterer, like I said, a late bloomer, didn't really put up 
jaw-dropping statistics in high school until his senior year where he was utterly dominant, just a .97 ERA and 82 strikeouts in 65 innings. The previous seasons for him, it seemed like command, again, was an issue. His junior year walked 15 in just 27 and two-thirds innings, but he's just 19 years old. The command will come. He's got an easy low 90s fastball, super easy mechanics that imply that he should be able to find more velocity as he fills out. I think he has a a big frame that has plenty of room to fill out, and you could see a mid-90s fastball in the future where he's just sitting there about 93, 95 without a problem. He has the potential to have a plus breaking ball. The changeup is not quite there yet, but that's probably the hardest pitch for a young pitcher to throw. If he can get a hold of that changeup and continue to harness that command, he is a pitcher that the Marlins could see being a middle-of-the-rotation arm. And that's what they were hoping when they drafted him in the fifth round, and that's what the hope continues to be. And I think he gave you no reason to believe that he cannot be a middle-of-the-rotation arm and potentially a top 10 prospect in this Marlins organization if he puts together a solid year in Batavia and more prospects continue to be called up uh, through the ranks and opening up spots in that top prospect list. I think he gets buried a little bit right now given the amount of exciting pitching prospects that the Marlins have from Sixto Sanchez all the way to Nick Neidert to Braxton Garrett, Trevor Rogers, everybody in between. It's easy to forget about those guys that are far away, like Evan Fitterer. But I don't think anybody thought, and I'm sorry for bringing him up right now, but Chris Paddock, for example, drafted later than Evan Fitterer. I believe he was a 13th rounder. I don't know if anyone thought when Paddock was was drafted that he was going to be a top-of-the-rotation arm and one of the most exciting young pitchers in the game. I'm not saying Fitterer will become that, but Paddock had a similar profile to Fitterer when he was coming out of high school and he was scouted well by the Marlins. The Marlins saw something in him and they ultimately were right. They were wrong for trading him obviously, but, and that's probably one of the trades that gives me the most nightmares, but that ultimately was a guy that overslotted out of high school and surprised a lot of people. And nobody's going to tab a fifth round pick or a 13th round pick right out of high school and say, oh yeah, he's going to be a top of the rotation arm. Because if people thought that right away, they wouldn't be a fifth round pick or a 13th round pick or you name it. So I think the Marlins see something here and I can understand why they see it. And if he continues to trend up, I'm not saying he's going to be Chris Paddock, but he has a chance to surprise a lot of people. The Marlins are very high on him. And from what I've read from fan graphs, Uh, Their representatives that spoke to people in the GCL, that was one of the first names that came up for the Marlins every single time. So I think that he is potentially a top-of-the-rotation arm in Batavia this coming season and can continue to climb the ranks. I'd be surprised if he was not effective in Batavia this year. Again, I think he should be able to handle that uh, offense in terms of the players that they face in that league. The big test will be when he gets that call up to the Florida State League, can he compete with those top-end arms that are in the State League all across every team, especially when you look at the Marlins rotation that they will have in the State League this year. 
there's a lot of arms to be excited about, and especially in Double A too for the Marlins. So like I said, there's just a lot of depth throughout the system in terms of the pitchers that they have. He has a four-pitch mix. He has a four-seamer, a two-seamer, the changeup, and the breaking ball. And it seems like he prefers the two-seam, which has some nice movement to it. And that is a pitch that I think will be effective with wood bats, be able to saw some hitters off and induce weak contact. I think that is why he had the 67% ground ball rate. And that's a pitch that he can continue to develop and continue to use. So Fitterer, really exciting a player to watch closely this year to see what he can continue to develop as because when players are that young, they develop much quicker than the guys in their 21, 22, 23 years old. He could still grow. (laughs) That's the crazy thing. He's still a teenager. He could still grow an inch or two. He could put on 15, 20 pounds. You have no idea. And that's the intriguing part of a young prospect out of high school. So Fitterer really intriguing keep up with him throughout the year I will be keeping an eye on him and I would not be surprised to see him slide into the top 15 and continue to climb up the ranks and next up is Peyton Burdick on the other side of the break if you've been a listener of this podcast I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans but you may not know that Locked On Marlins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Marlins fans just like you Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Miami Marlins fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Marlins podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Next up is number 18 on the list, Peyton Burdick a name you probably heard a lot by the end of last season after the impressive campaign he put together for Clinton over there with the Lumber Kings had a really really good 63 games for them hitting 307 getting on base at a 408 clip and the WRC plus at 172 uh, largely boosted by those 10 home runs that he drove he is a very toolsy player can play all parts of the outfield average to above average speed but good enough with his routes to play center field right-handed bat with just really good bat speed he's only six feet tall but a physical 210 pounds and a very late bloomer again very similar to Fitterer where he was a very late bloomer in high school he actually was only 150 pounds by the time he was a high school senior and only hit one home run in his senior season of high school. So obviously not a very off-the-charts type of player in high school, and for that reason, only received one scholarship offer, which obviously was from Wright State, and that's where he went on to have an incredible college career over there in the Horizon League. You know, don't know how good the competition is there, and I think that was a little bit of the concern with him, and I think it still is given that he's only hit an A ball at this point. But 
his numbers nonetheless were just incredible in his three seasons. His freshman year, very solid with a 289 batting average, four home runs, getting his feet wet. He ends up going down with Tommy John surgery in 2017, then comes back in 2018 as a redshirt sophomore and hits 347 with nine home runs, driving in 65. And then his senior season, just incredible. 407, 15 bombs, 72 RBI, and wins the Horizon League MVP. So, of course, just a trend that you like to see continue to improve from his time in high school all the way through college into his senior year. He did get a taste of the Cape Cod League as well. Did not quite hit as well as you would like to see. Was not bad by any means, but very streaky. He played for the Katuit Kettleers, so I have a lot of people that were over there seeing him. Uh, that's where I used to broadcast last summer, doing play-by-play for that Cape League. So I just missed Peyton by one year. Uh, ironically, actually shared the same host family as him, who said nothing but great things about his character and his work ethic, which I think is evident in the improvements that he's made through the last few years. And the power from what people around the organization said with the wood bat in batting practice was just off the charts. And that's why you'll see some scouts say that he has plus plus power, raw power that is, and he's still trying to tap into that in games. You know, Fangraphs has his game power as low as 35, the hope that he will tap into it more, but the raw power at 65. So there's a real chance for him to develop into a 30 home run player. And he just started to tap into that power with the 10 home runs in Clinton. The question on Peyton Burdick has always been, can he hit the higher level pitching? That's the question that won't really be totally answered until he shows he can hit in the Florida State League which I'm not sure he'll start the season in high A, but he should make his way to high A at some point this year. That question's valid. He, he played a full his full college career in the Horizon League, which does not boast the best pitching. He did show that he could hold his own in the Cape League, but ultimately, Clinton, it was encouraging to see what he could do there, but until he really shows he can hit the top-of-the-level minor league pitching where typically it's a gradual increase and then the dramatic increase in talent in high a that's where burdick will fully sell himself and fully make those jumps to the top prospect list i don't have any doubts that he can do that it's just he's gonna have to prove it to earn that respect because you don't really get that pedigree that some of the other prospects get that hit in the sec or hit in the acc even or some of those other better all-around baseball conferences or the highly touted high school players. That's fine. I don't think it's going to face Burdick. He's got a good work ethic, and he continues to improve every year, and there's no reason to believe that he won't continue to improve this year. So it's very interesting to see where he'll go, where he'll start the season, and how long it will take for him to end up in Jupiter if he doesn't start there, and how he'll do. I think the strikeouts are going to be the question. Can he continue to put the ball in play? Will the power diminish at all? Will he continue to tap into that power that he started to show that he can? Because the raw power, like I said, is is off the charts. So that's number 18 in Peyton Burdick. Next up on the list are prospects number 17 and 16. That's going to be Victor Victor Mesa and Jose Salas. I'm excited to get into those guys. I got plenty to say about the two of them. 
and that'll be on the next episode. Also, we'll be starting an NL East preview with each team having an individual episode. We'll dive deep into each of the NL East teams and their outlook going into the upcoming season with some good guests ahead. So looking forward to those episodes as the shows start to ramp up with the season inching closer and closer. Stay tuned. Keep up with Locked On Marlins on Twitter and, of course, my personal Twitter at rmwayton8. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next Prospects Preview.